Welcome to NVC Life. I'm Rochelle Lamb, veteran NVC trainer and relationship coach, helping listeners navigate interpersonal conflict and ground more deeply into relational living. Greetings, fellow humans. Are you conflict avoidant? If you're like most people, the answer is probably yes. Certainly, it's why people come to workshops on nonviolent communication. They're trying to work out how am I going to resolve the differences I have with others, especially those who are closest to me in my relationships. So one of the questions I like to ask at my workshops is, when I say the word conflict, what associations come to mind? So you might want to take a moment to think about that yourself. And what people typically respond with are things like war, fighting, aggression, hostility, anger, marriage. I always like it when people say that one. So as you can see, these associations are negative in nature. They're stressors. And conflict is a stressor. There are certain things that happen to us in our biology when we are experiencing conflict. Our heart rate goes up, our breathing changes, our temperature rises. And according to scientific studies, our blood is redistributed. It goes to our extremities. So that's the adrenaline rush. And we have the amygdala, the fight, flight, freeze response is occurring. And when that's happening, we become much more impulsive and we're running on emotion instead of reason. So really important during times of conflict to be able to slow down our system so that we can recalibrate, hit the reset button and have our blood return to our neocortex because our capacity to reason in those moments is compromise significantly. Now, here's another question I ask people. So I start with, what are the associations you have with the word conflict? Now, let me try some different language. How about creative dynamic tension? What about that? And people have different responses to that. They use words like possibility, creativity, learning, growth. So you can see that the nature of the language changes. And then I ask the question, when you are experiencing conflict, is there tension? Yes, there's always tension. Is it dynamic? Meaning, is it is there movement? And it's not always the case that there is movement because people can get quite stuck in it. But generally people say, yeah, there is some movement. And then the third question is, is it creative? Is it creative dynamic tension? Well, that depends. That depends on your level of skill, whether or not you're able to approach it in a way that makes the conflict generative as opposed to making it toxic or volatile or harmful in the end. So I think that one of the things we could say is that conflict is inevitable. It is just built into the nature of being human, just as death is, just as illness is. You are going to experience conflict in your relationships. And the only way to not experience it is to not be in relationship at all. Some of you may have heard that humorous story about somebody who goes and meditates in the mountains in a cave for many years and is said to have achieved 
enlightenment. And when the person returns to being with human beings, someone asks during a gathering, did you ever experience anger? And this person responds by saying, no, I never once experienced anger. And the person persists in the questioning, are you sure you never experienced it? Are you absolutely positively sure you never experienced it? And at some point, the person says, I told you, how many times do I have to tell you? I never experienced anger. So it is the relationships with others that bring about this tension that we have. And possibly the person did experience anger in the cave, but the story is told in order to illustrate a point that human beings when they are together, they will experience tensions. Now, the nature of the tensions, they have changed over time throughout the course of history. There's a big difference between the tension that arises when your crop of food has been completely decimated by a swarm of locusts, for instance. This creates a different kind of tension. So, I'm talking about the kinds of things that are occurring in people's everyday lives, which are typically around who's doing what and whether or not people share a belief system. And given the fact that there are growing numbers of belief systems out there in the world, it's no wonder that people end up experiencing increased amounts of conflict. So I want to read an excerpt to you from a book that I'm reading called High Conflict, Why We Get Trapped and How We Get Out by Amanda Ripley. And I really love this book. This is from the chapter titled The Power of the Binary. Some people are better than others at managing stress and conflict. It's true. They can control their emotions and collaborate even under extreme duress. These are the kinds of people NASA looks for when picking astronauts. The most recent class of 11 astronauts was chosen from a pool of 18,353 applicants. That's an acceptance rate of 0.06%, which means it is 75 times easier to get into Harvard than to get into NASA's astronaut program. With so many people to choose from, NASA goes to great lengths to select exceptionally resilient individuals. You depend on each other for your life, really, said Jay Buckley Jr., a former astronaut who helps astronaut manage interpersonal stressors in space. There is a high premium on being able to avoid really toxic conflicts. Candidates undergo extensive psychological interviews, among other tests. Anyone who makes it through tends to be highly adaptable, socially agreeable, mentally stable, physically fit, and exceptionally good at working with other people under stress. Then, after they get accepted, astronauts get training on conflict management and communicating under duress. Their training, which includes simulations for managing conflict with other crew members, can give them an actual chemical advantage. They're less likely than the rest of us to experience dramatic spikes in stress hormones, the kind that degrade our ability to think clearly when we are frightened or angry. In fact, there may be no one better equipped to resist the magnetism of conflict than an astronaut. And yet, what happens on just about every mission? Even on every simulated mission? Conflict. It's inevitable. You can't pick a crew without conflict, said Kim Benstead, the principal investigator for NASA-funded long-duration space exploration simulations in Hawaii. You can pick a low-drama crew, but not a no-drama crew. 
So I really enjoyed reading this section of the book because it tells you something. The selection is done amongst people who are already good at being with other people. And I'll read that piece again because I just think it's so important. Candidates undergo extensive psychological interviews, among other tests. Anyone who makes it through tends to be highly adaptable, socially agreeable, mentally stable, physically fit, and exceptionally good at working with other people under stress. And even then, these people undergo conflict management and communication training. So what is necessary then in order to not continue to be so fearful around conflict? Because I think the fact that we fear conflict in the way we do has more to do with the fact that we actually have very little training, most of us anyway, very little training and how to manage ourselves during conflict and how to turn conflict into something that is generative instead of toxic. This is good reason to learn nonviolent communication and any other model that you can take for understanding yourself and how to manage conflict. I'm just going to finish this episode with a couple of quotes. This is from Dudley Weeks, who wrote the book, The Eight Essential Steps to Conflict Resolution. We need to understand that conflict is actually an outgrowth of diversity that can be utilized to clarify relationship, to provide additional ways of thinking and options for action that you may not have considered, and to open up possibilities for improving a relationship. Perceiving conflict in this way encourages constructive behavior, whereas viewing it as always being a negative experience encourages us either to avoid dealing with the conflict or to do battle with the adversary who caused this negative experience to burden us. Another quote from author Scott Peck, the truth is that our finest moments are most likely to occur when we are feeling deeply uncomfortable, unhappy, or unfulfilled. For it is only in such moments, propelled by our discomfort, that we are likely to step out of our ruts and start searching for different ways or truer answers. And this is from former U.S. President Ronald Reagan. Peace is not absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. In conclusion of this episode, given the fact that conflict is inevitable, would it not be a mark of healthy self-interest to devote some time and energy, to develop some capacity to respond skillfully to conflict, rather than to end up by default losing out on relationships that could very well thrive if we only knew how to better address our differences. Developing skillfulness around conflict doesn't mean that all relationships endure. It doesn't mean we live happily ever after. It does mean, however, that our way of being with each other can be less prone to being contaminated by poor communication habits, those tragic reflexes mired in blame and hostility that are so unproductive. Developing skillfulness means learning conflict, learning what it asks of us, and how to navigate its tricky, mysterious terrain. Thank you for tuning into NBC Life. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. For free resources or to book a private session with me, head over to rochellelam.com. Until the next time, stay sane, grateful, and generous.